Hello and welcome to this podcast, Yes, I Have a Voice. My name is Ruth Lewis-Cost and I'm a caregiver and I am blessed to be looking after my elderly parents. I started this podcast to remind ourselves that looking after those in need is a privilege. As unpaid caregivers, we need to have a voice. We need to be able to shout loud and be proud of our status. And caregiving has no age. People of all ages are caregivers. This is my way of supporting you all emotionally and practically with tools from other caregivers on how to find the joy in your situation and make amazing memories. So let's dive into this week's episode. So today I have Pat Lockhard with me and she is going to explain a bit about her life and who she was a caregiver for. Hello, my name is Pat Lockhart and I live in Lakeland, Florida, USA. And for most of my life, I was a hair salon owner and a hairstylist. And in 2014, my husband, we had been married almost 30 years at that point. He actually, and he was a bit older than me, 20 years older to be exact. And we'd had a wonderful marriage. He was very involved with the business and we were definitely partners in life and in business. And on June 27th, 2014, he actually suffered a stroke in his spinal cord. So you can imagine his world and mine turned upside down totally at that point. And being already 78 years old and having some form of forgetfulness, possible dementia, it was very overwhelming. So I actually had contacted my salon, of course, where I had a a wonderful team and told them what had happened. This was, I'm reflecting back to the day that it happened now. And they said to me, Pat, do whatever you have to do. We'll take care of your business. So for at least three months, I did not work at my salon. I was every day at the hospital or at rehab. I was learning along with my husband how to how paraplegic lifts. Were you also being shown and taught how to be a caregiver to him? Yes, I was. Yes. That's why I went to the rehab center every day so that I could see the rehab that he was going through. And they taught me how to do the various things to help him take care of his colostomy and to do the catheterizations, that sort of thing. And how did you feel with all this happening? Once you realized that he was going to need a lot of care, how did you feel personally about yourself and your situation? Personally, of course, I was totally overwhelmed, but I immediately went into this, this action, this mental state of, I'll do whatever I have to do. I was open to learning everything that I needed to learn. And it was just a strength that came from somewhere that I did not know that I had. Once he came home, learning to 
you know, do everything around the house differently and so forth and getting up at 530 in the morning and, you know, all day, every day. But it was just like every morning when I got out of bed, I just said to myself, here we go. We'll do whatever it takes today to get through the day. That's fantastic that you found that inner strength from somewhere. Like you said, it just arrived. You don't know how it happened. So moving forward from a from a day to day, did you have the help you needed straight away or did you have to search for that? After I decided to go back to work for a few hours, a few days a week, I was fortunate enough to find a lady that would come in a few hours on those days that I worked two days and uh, she would fix his meals, just visit with him, also have her do some laundry change the sheets on the bed. We had a dog, feed the dog, let the dog out. And this was just usually for like four hours or so and twice a week. So basically it was me. I did have a few friends that offered to come and spend some time with him so that I could maybe go to lunch with a friend, um, just go somewhere just to just to relax, just to totally not be responsible for anything. My sister was a huge help. She could tell when I was super, super stressed and she would say, okay, I'm coming over and you're leaving. That's something that a lot of people don't have at all. Right. That's very true. Moving on from there, when you were looking after him, how did you kind of make life more enjoyable for him in the way that, you know, you, it was uplifting even for you as well, because it's all very well looking after people and, you know, it can have that feeling of it's all doom and gloom. Right. But I think as, as caregivers, you know, it's important for us to find ways not only to look after ourselves, but to look after the person we're looking after in terms of mentally and keeping it perhaps lighter and brighter as well. How did you manage that? Again, there was this strength that came from somewhere and I just... We went places. We didn't stay home. Uh, we were able to get out. I was a, I learned how to put his wheelchair in the back of the car. He would get in the car and we would go places. Sometimes it was just for a drive or we would have what I call a car picnic. We would drive through a drive through or somewhere and get some food. And then we would go sit at the airport and watch the planes come in or sit in a park and, you know, just be outside and um, I took him a lot of places. We still went out to eat. I took him shopping. And we got a lot of looks and a lot of people probably wondering, you know, am I the nurse? Am I, you know, whatever. And I just, I just smiled and we just went right along. And so I had, I had told my sister, I said, I will do whatever I can to make this as happy a time as I possibly can. Because the doctor said that at most he had five years. And I said, I'll do everything I can. So my family was very, very good, my friends. But it, again, it was mostly me. We just went and did. Fortunately, I had the strength physically to do that also. I know not everybody can do that. Yeah, that's a, that's a big issue, isn't it, as well? Right. I love the idea that you went for these uh, little picnics um, wherever right. you go and wherever you fancy going. Presumably, 
you did things that was that he enjoyed doing. I mean, for example, going to the airport. I don't right. know if it was because he loved traveling or whether because he was interested in, in planes, but whatever. You know, that's such a great idea to just go and do that and go and do your own thing. Absolutely. Yes. He had been a pilot earlier in his years. That was not his profession. It was a hobby. So he loved going to the airport. And so we would just do that. And I would try to cook his favorite meals whenever I could. And again, that I will credit God. And I, I will say this. It was not all bright and sunny in front of him. He did not see that I was anguished or frustrated, but there would be times I would go out in the backyard and just sit in and just, just cry, just cry, sob, and say to myself, I don't know how much longer I can do this. And then I would get that out of my system. I would go back inside. And when I would get up the next day, I just said, here we go. You just go. Did you find that there was a lot of help around for you in, mentally as well to help you through those times when you were feeling like you can't cope anymore or, you know, you didn't know how long you'd managed to be able to, to cope mentally, not only physically? Yes. In fact, I did. My neighbor and good friend was also our physician at the time. And I went to him and I said, I need help. And so I did take medication to help with depression and anxiety or not anxiety, but well, I guess it was anxiety um, to, to help just to, to keep me calm. Yes. More of a kind of like a group of people or going to be able to talk to somebody. No, I didn't. I spoke with him. Good friends. One good friend, actually, possibly two. And my sister. That was my support group. And was that because you didn't want a support group or because there wasn't a support group out there for you? I never actually sought one out, to be honest. I was so involved day to day that I just depended on my family and my friends. Now, I will say that's probably not for everyone because everyone may not have family and friends. I was very, very blessed that I did have that. So that was my support group. And looking back, because that was a, a little while ago now, do you see that that experience that you went through, which was not a happy experience, not a good experience, but have there been things you've, you've noticed from that experience that have changed you for the better that you've learned from that you've grown from and that you're able to now use in your life or your work and, and what have you now from that experience absolutely I never realized that I had the strength that I have uh, mentally emotionally physically I never knew that I had that inside me I had formed the business, the, the hair salon, and it was successful. And, and that was my world. And I knew that I did that well, but I didn't know that I had the strength to travel across the United States after my husband passed away to take a course to become a, a, a tour director for travel companies 
and to start an online business and to be online and help to encourage other women to do a Facebook live to encourage other women. That strength just continued. And I, I'm just like, there's a whole nother world that opened up to me after I realized how strong and it built my confidence. That's so amazing. That's so good to hear. So do you have um, any tips or advice that you can offer people who might be experiencing or in the middle of what you went through? Are there things that you look back and think, I could have done this better, or there could have been, that might've helped. Is there anything you can offer? One thing I will say is when someone offers to do something for you, let them. Don't feel guilty about letting someone do something for you. People want to help and they feel helpless. And don't turn those offers down. That's huge. Taking care of yourself, eating properly, trying to get good sleep. And if you can just get out and go for a walk, just be outside. Walk around the block, walk around your house. Those moments of self-care are extremely important. And when people say that the caregiver suffers more than the one being cared for, there's a truth in that. It's a different type of suffering, if you will, but there's a lot of truth in that. And it's so important. If you don't have it inside to give, then you're not in a good place. I love that. Actually, that is so true. And it's true that the often caregivers are the ones who suffer most because nobody's looking at them. Nobody's watching them. Nobody's taking care of them or yeah. very few people. Everybody's concentrated on the person being looked after. Correct. And um, this is one of the reasons why this podcast, I feel, I hope, will help so many people. They know that they can get help, a support group, or just getting ideas of what they can do to help themselves or certainly help their lives to be able to continue looking after the person they are looking after. Very true. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much for your time. That was absolutely fascinating and interesting and such good advice. Thank you very much. And we wish you well. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. And I do hope it was helpful or is helpful for listeners on your podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. Thank you for listening. And don't forget, if you like this episode, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a five-star review. It really helps. See you next time.